This week's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use the promo code PSP to save $5 off your first purchase. Probably Science. Welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. I'm joined as always by Matt Kirshen. Hey, Andy. Hey. We're in a sec. We're third. Three locations in a row, Andy. Three locations in a row. We gotta get back home soon. We're uh, we're on the road. Uh, we're recording two episodes back to back. So if you have recently listened to the Kelly Carlin episode, just imagine this is three hours later or mm-hmm. so in our time, but a full week later in your time. Paint the picture. And also we're in a haunted um, building, right? Well, apparently, don't say that. I'm trying to manage my anxiety about that. <laughs> we're joined by uh, an old friend of mine from the UK who's over here doing... Can we talk about what you're over here doing? I don't see why not. I've never been officially told that I can't talk about it. So. Well, Kerry Godleman, who's both a fantastic stand-up and you might have seen, if you watched Derek, the Ricky Gervais show, being as the female lead in that. But now you're a... You're doing a f- you're doing a film with people who have made some of my all time favorite films. You're doing it's the amazing, n- yeah, the yeah. new Christopher Guest film, yeah, with all of the Christopher Guest people, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, like all of them. I I can't believe it. I'm in a state of constant sort of wonder about the whole thing. It's pretty amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Is there any script or is it all like just here's what here's what happens in the go? There is a script, but it hasn't got a dialogue in it, so it's it's all written out. Right. But you improvise this dialogue. So your character is he's he's created the characters and the scenarios and the storyline. Yeah. And then you improvise the dialogue. I wonder if Christopher Guest, if that question to him is like the average comedian getting the question. So you just go up there and just say whatever pops yeah. into your head. Yeah, he must have. Um, <laughs> we had to do EPK the other day, and they asked it, and it, it's clearly the main question on those kind of things. Yeah. That's, Hang on, uh, EPK. Like the little interviews for. Special features, I suppose. Got is it. that electronic sus- press kit? Yes. Okay. I, I suspect so. none of it will, like hardly any of it will be seen because it was mostly rambling shit on my part, <laughs> which you will now discover I'm quite good at. But um, yeah, I, it was one of those questions that I bet comes up a lot. Like, yeah, yeah. is it scripted? How much is it scripted? Any inside gossip about on, the, on your Jane Lynch's, your Bob Bellabans, your uh, I haven't met them yet. Lords? I haven't oh, okay. met them yet. The, the people I have met have all been absolutely lovely. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, the whole seem thing like... feels really family-ish. Like, yeah. to be invited to join that ensemble, like you say, of amazing people is quite a privilege. So I just... And it I'm... seems like a group that probably didn't ever have, like, an early uh, superstardom that would have given them crazy egos. You know, no, they, not just, at all. they've worked in comedy no, forever. They've all been just very yeah. good. Right, right, right. And, and also, they've all done all kinds of different things, and then they get to come back every now and then and do a Christopher Guest project. You know, it's sort of like... yeah. That's a lovely awesome. thing for them as well because yeah, yeah. it is a rare treat to get to improvise not many actors get the chance to do it so for any actor it's a treat yeah. you know even for that lot that have done it a few times is there did you say whether there's a title yet or not mascots mascots that's right okay uh, I that. probably should ask if I'm meant to talk about it. <laughs> well, let us know. know in the next week and we can cut things out yeah, appropriately. Yeah, I'm sure so. it's fine. I'm, a, you know, it's only nice things. You're only saying nice, lovely things. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> just saying things will get people more excited. I mean, I'm going to watch it anyway because it's the, like, even if project. I didn't know you, I'd be watching it. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's Googleable, so I don't think it's a secret. It's already online, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't think it's a secret. Uh, it's a weird secret, isn't it? I mean, it's, I always find it really odd when show business things are like, oh, I'm on a project, but I can't say what. I'm like, you're not doing mi5 you're just making a film but then again, why is it a secret i guess sometimes they do want like that whole um the will ferrell Kristen wig fake lifetime movie thing. yeah 
and then people found out about it, and then they said, "Well, you've ruined it, internet. Now that you uh, talked about it, we're canceling it. We're not doing it." Oh right. So, that, but then they surprised them again, and then they did do it and just put it out without any fanfare, hoping that there was like a double twist. Did it work? It was a surprise. Did it work out? I mean, no, it's like the third Will Ferrell movie in a row where it's like a high concept thing that's not actually quote unquote funny, but is like, you hear someone describe it, you're like, oh, that's funny, I'm glad they did that, but then watching it isn't actually a fun experience. (laughs) (laughs) Because they they did like a pitch perfect, uh, you know, it's not even a parody, it's like a, it's a pastiche, it's like an homage, note for note, perfectly what they're, doing mm. with no other level of like twist to make it funny so it's just like isn't it funny how straight we're playing this like no it's too straight no you it's just too straight made, it's not funny you just made the movie <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 you're on a bus and listen to people talking and call that yeah it. it's like that uh, Casa de Mi Padre movie have you seen that no it's like on paper it's funny Will Ferrell doing a Spanish movie all in Spanish like uh, but it's not funny <laughs> yeah not for a feature maybe a yeah. sketch yeah so many things just should have stayed as sketches <laughs> yeah <laughs> they shouldn't be feature length watch me or uh, a whole series Watch Will Ferrell listen to this episode and just like like, single tear. Like he had like half of the email asking to do our podcast drafted. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a long time. Now you've spoiled it for him. He's been agonizing over the words. Like, oh no, that'll seem too needy. (laughs) Oh, that'll seem too not needy. Like I've got to get the right balance between knowing that I want to do it, but not wanting to be too keen. It's such a delicate balance. I'm picturing like a camera swooping around him (laughs) and a typewriter as he was like toiling over this thing, you know, just throwing away draft after draft. It could be true. Yeah. Kerry. Yes. We always ask our guests this before we get into the stories and there is no right or wrong answer, but what, if anything, is your background in science? Hmm... I think I did GCSE biology because you had to do one of the sciences. You only had to do, I thought you had to do kind of all of them, but like you could do a combined one. No, when I did it, you had to do one. So okay. it was biology, chemistry, or what's the other one? No, physics. And then, <laughs> so I had to do biology and that was the end of that. I failed it and that I've never done science since. I'm kind of ashamed of that. Like, I don't have any kind of like, ooh, science. Yeah. I would love to be more knowledgeable about science, but I'm, I'm just, you know, I don't know if it's the same here, but at home, if you go down the road of the arts, which mm-hmm. I had, did, it, you're almost like as if you've shunned the sciences. You like, you have to, you're at the crossroads with Robert Johnson from the age of right. 14, having to choose yeah. arts or science. We've talked about- And you're not allowed to do both. There's definitely a thing, and we've talked about this before. I mean, you can sort of do a spread, but the British educational system, we specialize so much earlier than they do in America. Yeah. Like in America, even at college level, you, can you do have all to, sorts. and you, you normally have to do a couple of, like if you're a science person, you still have to do a couple of art subjects at university. That's amazing. And vice versa. Yeah, but, well, there'd be no context where the, where the former is the case, because if you're a science yeah. person, they're like, yay, well done you, and you don't do art ever. Totally, and, and I was the exact opposite no? from you. Ah, really? right, yeah. no, not at all. You're not encouraged to do the arts, full stop. I mean, if this government gets their way, it'll all go. <laughs> so, But you kind of have to, uh, like at university, you apply to do a specific subject. You don't, you yeah. don't major in a subject at some point. You go like, I am applying to Bristol University to do biochemistry. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm applying to Edinburgh to do uh, English or, whate- or whatever it is. And you apply to that course at that establishment. And even before that, by the time you're 18 and you're doing A-levels, you've narrowed it down to like three or four subjects. And there's no requirement to do a spread. It's but, like you're being encouraged to just choose a path and stick to yeah. it and never go back. Which as a... As, as a school kid, I was delighted by it because I was the opposite from you. I was like, ah, I can't. I hate writing essays. I'm not good at it. But I know I'm good at questions and answers, and right. I'm good at science. So I was couldn't have been happier to have dropped anything where I needed to write an essay by the age of sixteen. 
but that does sound pretty nice. Yeah, and and now you know the irony is now. Yeah, that's bizarre, isn't it? But um, no, because I did A levels. My A levels were film, English, and drama right and then i went to drama so school basically so I, three shades of the same subject basically anyway, and then i went to drama school to study exclusively titting about so you know <laughs> i science was gone i didn't the yeah. closest i've come to science is playing a character that might have mentioned their star sign I mean, that's, <laughs> that's that's it was there a subject were there any science subjects or teachers that you enjoyed at school or even like sort of home experiments like blowing stuff up in the woods or anything I tell you what I've started to enjoy it a bit more now I've got kids that are going to school so they're having to do projects on like space or yeah they have a science week and you know they get to do lots of lovely things and the you know comedy children's performer scientist bloke came in and did loads of exploding experiments with them and they were telling me all about that so I'm kind of reconnecting with it through my children right and wishing that I was taught in an interesting fun way because I was still of a generation like the guy who I had for science at school was just a a horrible man right all I remember is Bunsen burners and and sadness that's all (laughs) I remember from science Mr Goldberg he was horrible he had awful complexion (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering what that last word was going to be I wonder if they maybe just like took the more boring sciences and just like every hour just had some gratuitous explosion like if in biology or something when you're not even it's not even related but just an explosion but it's all about I think so much of it is about just having someone having a good teacher or more to the point having a teacher that gels with the way your brain works and I was lucky to have that with, with a lot of science subjects when I was younger but I didn't like no one I didn't I never, this is so stupid, but I didn't realize until years after school that if you're doing an essay in English, you can actually argue a point that might not even be what the teacher kind of thinks is... Has yeah, but you have to you. use very specific language. So you say you allegedly or arguably, and but then you, you can find all these phrases that make you yeah. can make any point you like totally. as long as you put arguably at the <laughs> beginning of I it. I didn't realize you could have... Like, all of my GCSE English essays were basically... And then this, and then this, right. and he did this, so and was, she did that. But that's I, a skill someone should have taught you. That's a writing it kind specific, of is, right? I, I don't, I just, they probably did. I just didn't... Listen. I didn't. I either didn't listen or just, it didn't you sink in. You were doing in. sums just, in your head. It's a beautiful mind in there, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, did, I didn't get until years. Oh, you can, you can really have your own point of view. You don't have to just praise the, the, yeah. the play yeah. and... Um, depending on what well, the it's meant to have is. your point of view yeah and that's Sweet where I science. never got on with science because that was there were no variables it was black and white so right. I like the arts because there was tons of ambiguity <laughs> and you can have opinions and you can have shading and da, da, da. and science was like there's a right answer and a wrong answer and and if it's wrong you're wrong right right but, but couldn't it kind of no Kerry no yeah I'm like but shall I dance this equation no <laughs> no you just got to solve it the way we just showed you yeah and that and then my brain shuts down because my yeah. my brain isn't wired that way but I've never understood why it's uh what like to, to even grade to grade liberal arts things is almost like this. I have a big problem with subjective sports, like things like figure skating and diving and like those kinds of things. Because what, you don't think they are sport? No, no. I mean, I love watching them, but it's like, it's the same thing as like, I hate comedy competitions. Oh, oh yeah, no, bands, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Dance-offs. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like I have, my mum always like, says with assertion that some things, I don't know, like she, 
like a Rothko page. You say, oh, I didn't get it. It's crap. And you're like, mm, you have to say, I think it's crap, not yeah. it's crap. <laughs> you have to be really careful about how you phrase uh, but, a subjective but, but, opinion. And I know what you mean by... Yeah, like, Every judge is saying, I think this surfer is the best surfer. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Can't yeah. enjoy how what an awesome surfer he is? I mean, yeah, there are yeah. certain things with diving that you can kind of go like, okay, it's sort of been decided over time that this dive has this level of complexity. But you can't make a machine... specific things they miss, but... Yeah. You can't make a camera that does motion detection that can give it the same score every time. possibly and, could like, at some point, but... Um, What's so they called no, what sports? What did you call them? I don't, I don't call them anything. I don't know. I mean, sports. I'm just saying. Like, no, I've never thought anything, of that. That's you can't, sport if is... you can't quantify it, if you yeah. can't quantify it yeah. with like this number of goals were scored, this distance yeah, was traversed, this time unarguable yeah. outcome. So yeah. I just don't. So for the same reason, like I remember, like my freshman year, everybody in every school in my college, my university, had to take freshman writing seminars to make sure no one graduated as a shitty writer, right? Or at least as like a certain baseline. And I took one that I thought would be easy. Like you have to take two or three of them, and one of mine was fairy tales. I was like, I can't believe that's a class. I'll take that; it'll be great. It was not great at all. It was this German studies grad student teaching wow. it, and everything had to be a very close reading. Like I had to like read way more into something than is actually there. Okay. And I've always hated that when someone's like finding hidden things that aren't there. I'm like, so is this a game where we're all trying to like bullshit each other the most? Like, see what you can find. That sounds that wasn't like all my education, like all <laughs> right. my upper. Like it's, it's a just, game. It's a game, and you can bullshit your way into an I just A. Hate that. You can just I, with, you know. I mean, that's not true because there is obviously a lot of skill. But, but it, like, I you agree. That, art, and you're like, it doesn't matter what the writer's intent was. It's in there. I was like, is it? Or what? I just, we're, we're really just like, like filleting each other and let's like, oh, you found this <laughs> hidden thing. Good yeah, work. Yeah, like, no, what? I know what you mean. But that, I like that ambiguity in that debate. Yeah. And there's not any debate, I suppose, in science. There, yeah. Well, there or at is least at some. Have level. that debate, but then don't give a don't give a letter grade to whether you found a secret thing inside. Yeah, this no, you're right. There. It shouldn't be measurable. Well, at the next level, there is a point to which I would say that almost. In certain cases, that almost doesn't matter. Like, there's, if you're saying, like, this is what the artist meant by this, then you go, okay, well, there's a good chance, particularly if the, the artist is still alive, they can then just go, no, you're wrong. I yeah, never I meant didn't. that. That was just an accident. Oh, no, or you're just seeing stuff that isn't there. Version where once they've released the art, it's not even there. Well, well, that's what well, I'm kind of. There is, a, there is a point to which you can write something that is true and is interesting off the back of seeing or hearing or experiencing some art that is more of a wider truth that you have obtained with the yeah. help of that art yeah. that is a legitimate thing. If you sort of go like, and and this means blah, blah, blah. And and, and I love that. I love good criticism. I read it yeah, a, a and that lot. Doesn't... The same way I love great surfing. I just don't need to assign it a number or a letter afterwards. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I got something out of that. You got something out of that. It was yeah, an all, enjoyable thing. All like, of my English essays were basically, like could have been... F- like I could have added on to the end and I would recommend this to boys and girls aged 13 to... It was, it was reading Rainbow. It basically was. It was like... I, that... But as well as educate, like say you saying what my science connections are, which are none, the other thing is, A, my schooling probably wasn't brilliant and secondly, like now, there's a lot more in the media. Like people like Brian Cox wasn't around when I was a kid. You know, there wasn't... Right someone intro there was patrick moore i mean that was that was it or magnus pike like you won't know who i'm talking about but these I'm are like really stuffy who pike was wasn't he the guy that gesticulated well maybe he, they, they were really stuffy old academics and there was no patrick moore was the host uh originally the host of the sky at night and uh he, he was wore, such an eccentric. He wore a monocle. A monocle. He played xylophone. He played the, the xylophone. He was a raving right wing nutter. Voice and terribly, terribly posh and awfully clipped high play. It was bizarre the way he communicated. He was, he was a racist. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he was a, a dinosaur. But like, 
now you there are pro I watch science programs with my kids there's a program called Nina and the Neurons and you know I I enjoy watching it with the kids and I we didn't have that I don't remember having that when we were kids yeah there were there I think there were a couple of things that were wait a minute was Magnus Pike in the video for uh Thomas Dolby she blinded me with science because it's also recommending him when I searched for Magnus Pike that's Magnus Pike. I know, but I'm just saying, is this related? Was he in the video for... Uh, they might have done a parody thing Or it was him. a parody of him? Yeah. He was a really odd man. I don't know anything about him. I just remember him waving his arms around Yeah, him. I don't remember... I th- He's got a look. He's certainly and Tomorrow's look World, too. that was the other program that we had. And that uh, was what Look Around You was a parody of, right? Yes. Kinda, or the second yeah. one? The yeah, second. the second season of Look Around You is basically a parody of early Tomorrow's World. Um, yeah, the songs. She Blind Me With Science features interjections from the British scientist and TV presenter Magnus Pike who repeatedly shouts science and oh, delivers other lines in a deliberately over the top mad yeah. science voice there Holy you go shit. that's that's uh, he was science. a significant person on the telly if you were a and, kid in the 80s yeah and shouting good heavens Mr. Sakamoto you're beautiful that's him <laughs> wow I never thought this would connect back to that song that's awesome nice should we get into some sort <laughs> should we get into some stories yeah, why the hell not? That's what we're here for. <laughs> Theoretically, uh, what do you like? Dead arm tests? Yeah, I kind of wanted to. I thought at first this story was about dead arms and testing, which is the, what, as in which, the things is that kids what you, do. Is that what you call, what do you call them in America? That thing kids, asshole kids do to each other where they yeah. thump the top of the arm and then your arm goes numb for a bit. I've never had it work, but yeah, I think that's what they call that's it. That's called yeah. a dead arm. Yeah. Okay. And there's also dead legs sometimes, but they're, they're harder to do. Did you ever do the thing where you punched a muscle with like one knuckle just yeah. to make it rise up real quick? Yeah. Uh, I know that knuckle, that. Like if you punch, if you like have a, like a relaxed muscle and just hit it really hard on one point, like a little bump will rise up instantly, like half an inch. Well, this is this hmm. is kind of this is sort of connected to what this story is about. So, um, in a macabre experiment which saw dead severed arms swing punches on a large pendulum, U.S. scientists have measured the extent to which a clenched fist shields fragile bones in the hand. Consequently, a fist can strike with twice the force of an open-handed slap. Uh, Professor David Carrier from the University of Utah says this supports his argument that fighting as well as dexterity drove the evolution of the human hand. Um, although other researchers are skeptical about Professor Carrier's pugilism hypothesis. So uh, writing in the Journal of Experimental Biology, he suggests that our hands with short fingers and meaty thumbs compared to other primates evolved to satisfy two needs. Uh, these are the proportions that improve manual dexterity while at the same time making it possible for the hand to be used as a club during fighting. <laughs> Uh, this is an argument Professor Carrier has previously put forward in a study of the force delivered by athletes hitting punching bags. Uh, so this work attracted criticism partly because the data primarily showed that a clenched fist is a very effective weapon. It remains unclear whether the buttressing afforded by the thumb, the key advantage of a human fist, could actually save inner hand bones from breaking. After all, the metacarpals of the palm are frequent casualties in human fist fights, the so-called boxer's fracture. Uh, the real question was... Uh, the real question was whether or not the buttress fist provides protection, Professor Carrier told BBC News. The latest experiments, while a little gruesome, allows it, allowed his team to measure the strain on specific bones. Uh, it's a little macabre and strange, but there is no other way to get this data. You can't implant strain gauges on living subjects. Uh, they took arms... I know, I'm, sorry, I'm just looking at Carrier's He's face mad. here. mad! <laughs> don't How monkeys punch! How else are you going to do it? How else are you going to do it? I don't know if monkeys do punch. Uh... 
I don't know. Like listeners, uh, probablyscience at gmail.com or tweet look, us at probablyscience. Look at these diagrams of, of how they yeah. put these dead arms oh, on a pendulum. Oh, that's brilliant. If you've ever been punched by a monkey, email us in. <laughs> I'm uh, sure that... And remember to mark your envelope, monkey fist. See, <laughs> uh, <laughs> simian hands are not... They're like human hands, aren't they? Or is the point that you well, could... They're, they're theorizing that uh, the differences in our hands are because of... Uh, is that a cadaver, though, fighting. in that picture? In that diagram? Oh, the, those the diagrams diagram. are brilliant. Oh, okay, yeah, that's, yeah, I see. They just should be coloured in. So yeah, they took arms from cadavers, attached them to wooden boards, and tied fishing wire to the tendons in the forearm. This allowed them to control the hand, clenching the fist, for example, by tightening those wires on guitar pegs. <laughs> <laughs> the whole board was then mounted onto a large pendulum, which could swing the hand into a padded dumbbell. And instruments attached to bones inside the hand and to the dumbbell measured the forces involved. And sure enough, strain on the metacarpals, which are like these mid, mid-hand mid bones, right? I think so. Uh, was greatly reduced when a clenched fist, rather than a loose fist or open palm, slammed into the pad. Uh, Although, wait, are they saying you would have less strain on your metacarpals if you slapped like a open hand slap, right? I don't know, maybe not. Because then it's going to be intention rather than compression. Yeah, Um there is relatively strong evidence that there is a performance advantage, said Professor Carrier. Whether or not natural selection ever acted on that advantage is something we can't answer directly, but at the same time, given this evidence, you can't argue that selection on aggressive fighting behavior was not relevant. So alongside the more widely accepted idea of dexterity as an evolutionary driver, this fist-fighting advantage has to be included on the list of possible factors that could have influenced the evolution of the hand. Boy, that's that's hedging his bets a lot. That's like it's, yeah. it has to at least be considered possibly a possibility. Uh, well, tra- this is Dr. Tracy Cavell, a paleoanthropologist at the University of Kent who specializes in the wrist and hand, said it was a credit to Professor Carrier's team that they had found a way to test part of the hypothesis, but she disagrees with his assertion that fist fighting must be relevant. I love that sort so of. What, I right, put that in layman's terms. So we so overall, one, like one, person, one person thinks we actually evolved to have better fighting to hands, fight. to have better fit, like, and that's uh, part of our evolution. And then she's saying, like, uh, I get that this is that a fist is pro- more protective than an open hand, but that's not. She says you can't necessarily say that that must mean that evolution happened for a fighting advantage, or that we evolved to be fist yeah. punchers or something. Right. So, okay. Fine. So she said. Overall, it's a hypothesis. It's not a hypothesis I would support, which is damning science, science talk for guy full of shit. Okay. Uh, I think. I like that, the translation. <laughs> I think the way they they've done it is create. This is so damning with sort of faint praise. Like I think the way they've done it is creative and seems to be biomechanically sound. Condescending pat in the back. And the yeah. fact that the metacarpals experience less load when they're in a fist. I don't disagree with those results, but that's probably a side effect of having hand proportions that have evolved for other reasons. Dr. Cavell says a much more realistic idea was the established one of our hands evolving to manipulate tools. You can address that hypothesis from multiple directions and it makes sense, she says, noting that fossil evidence of tools goes back more than three million years and aligns with changes to hominid anatomy. It's just perfect that it's a male and female scientist arguing whether we evolved to fight or so. Yeah, she's like, I think we evolved to use tools. So why would he why would he have that idea and then want to draw all those diagrams and make all those machines if it's such a weak premise well he he thinks it's not a weak premise like he he believes that i'm sure he does believe that um tool holding and usage is also is another factor driving evolution but he thinks also a factor driving evolution is the fact that this makes it easier to make a fist and punch 
Punch to, 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 to what end? Like, so he's sort of saying that we're inherently quite aggressive, or that that's part of our. I don't think he's making any judgment call on that. He's just, <laughs> like, as an anthropologist, he's just he's just trying to work out what were the driving factors that made us evolve the way we are. Right. But he's saying if that was a factor, then it would be true that somebody, when these mutations started happening, someone with this hand that's more similar to our hands had an advantage that let him live long enough to reproduce okay. in that he was kicking the shit out of other of his peers presumably or but if you're, more yes. often than yeah. not someone who's a more able well like any evolutionary adaptation it's what makes you more able to pass on your genetic material okay so so your hands evolving like that well that enables you to be better at holding tools and all the advantages that tool creation and holding yeah. gives you so that helps you advance as a species and, and perpetuate and so that mutation continues and yeah. thrives and changes but then he would also say, but also, if you're better at fist, like fist making and punching someone without breaking that bone, that would also be an evolutionary advantage. And this slightly more knowledgeable scientist has said that's bullshit. Or not even necessarily more knowledgeable, but someone who's taking the more con- conventional right, okay. mainstream viewpoint is saying, okay. I don't think that's true. She's saying, and these like, kind of exchanges happen all the time in science. Yeah, and that's kind of how science that's works. How that's science sort of the works. Point of these it. are these these debate de- debates are the, what science is is arguing out. Well, ideas. sometimes they just do it with fists, you know. Uh, yeah. Really? Does it ever get physical? <laughs> has, it, has there ever been a scientist fight? Oh, there oh, I'm sure. must I'm have sure. been. Yeah. Oh, I, see, now I'm interested. <laughs> like, if they ever got it, I wonder gone if the, at it. I wonder if the dinosaur wars guys ever actually fought. Well, the dinosaur? The the two guys. The two, uh, do you know about the dinosaur wars? I feel like our second or third episode, Brooks talked about this when we used to do history of science. That, so when that they were all, um... it was um, there were these two scientists who were like sabotaging each other's uh, Cope and Marsh back in that rings a bell. The late 19th century, I think, 1840-1897. Yeah, these were paleontologists who would like sabotage each other's dig sites and like break bones that someone else found. That's and... hilarious. Why is it? <laughs> they made a, been movie a film out of, of it. it? Oh, right. Yes. I was going to say. Because I think that's the thing is I kind of seek the human story at the heart of any piece of science history. I like like that bloke who was doing all the same things as Darwin and then Darwin just pipped him to the post and he'd made all the same observations and discoveries. And I want to know about that guy and how he felt. And I want to sing him a song and I want to write him a poem. (laughs) It's the human story at the heart of the scientists and right. you know all that i just think well they called it the bone wars at the time or afterwards but the movie's called dinosaur wars but yeah cope and marsh um how did it start oh god this entry is way too long on wikipedia it's a it's a long and storied conflict between the two well here's um here's... that's hilarious to me that's like two yeah. old sort of actors going at it for the same part and being <laughs> bitter and pissed off that the other one I'm going to search, search for the word fist in this article and see if... Uh, nope, nothing. Okay. It never got physical. Um, it's not with fists. Or maybe in the Olivia Newton-John sense. Mm. Nice. Where they just had yeah. a little, little spandex and some thrusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stretches. I wonder if that song had like another meaning besides the... Nah, it's probably just about working it's out. It's about keeping fit. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Relax is just about relaxing. Just relax. Just and it's, it's, it's good advice. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> Take it easy. Yeah. He literally says, when you want to come. <laughs> when you want to come here or there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, seriously, how do you get that in a song in, in that era? Like, 
It's just because of the double entendre of come. It's not even a but that word. Okay, I guess it's technically it, no, it is. No, it was banned anyway. Was it really? Yeah, it was banned. It was banned. Oh, was it banned? Yeah. Yeah, well, you want to suck to it. <laughs> yeah, it Wait, was banned. He it said, was banned. That's what he says in that he part? Says, suck to it or something, doesn't he? When you want to come. It was banned. Okay. I thought that was just kind of like a gibberish, like um, almost scat noise that he does in that part. When you want to suck to it or no, something. It's when it you like, want to when suck, you want to, to, suck it. to it. Um, Holly Johnson wasn't known for scatting, was he? That wasn't one of his. <laughs> Was it, I always get him and Ella Fitzgerald mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> Carla Lane. When you want to come. Hey there, probably scientists. Andy here with a question for you. When did shaving get so expensive? Right? It's crazy. You go to the drugstore, you have to wait 10 minutes for someone to come unlock the case, and you're going to spend like 25 bucks on maybe like four blades and some shaving cream. It's crazy. It doesn't have to be that way. Harry's.com is your answer to the problem of inconvenient and expensive shaving. Harry's was started by two guys with a passion for creating a better shaving experience for everybody, and they deliver a superior shave because they bought a blade factory in Germany. It's been crafting some of the world's highest quality blades for nearly a century. They get rid of the middleman and offer you an amazing shave at a fraction of the price of all those drugstore brands. For just $15, you can get their starter kit that includes a razor, three blades, and your choice of Harry's shave cream or foaming shave gel. And as an added bonus, you can get $5 off your first purchase with our code, which is PSP, as in Probably Science Podcast. PSP is that code. When you use that, you get an entire month's worth of shaving for just $10. Remember, shipping is always free, so go visit harrys.com right now. And they will give you, again, $5 off if you type in our code PSP with your first purchase. H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and use the coupon code PSP at checkout for $5 off the starter set and start shaving smarter today. So, yeah, this fist thing, I do wonder, I mean, once you've set up these dead hands with fishing wire and you can control the bones, like, come on, you know they were, like, making dead dead hands. Like, <laughs> you know they were giving each other the finger across yeah, the room. Yeah, what the else would you set up a machine that can do that? Do you that want to come over here? He wants you to come yeah. over here. <laughs> <laughs> just like a rotting, oh. I uh, just think this bloke had this idea and and then he got too far in and he started building machines and di- diagrams yeah. and then he was like, I can't back down now. And I think in his heart he knew it was bullshit. But he had to keep... It might not be bullshit, yeah. He had to keep going. I think he started with the idea of a swinging cadaver arm and worked back to like, what science could right. I come up with that would I don't let think me it do can that? be true, and I'm not even a science head. I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's not true. Because you wouldn't punch... If it's part of your evolution, like your survival, like it's anim- against animals, not against each other. Like if you could but, fight uh, your yeah. fellow well, species. Thing, it's not necessarily for survival. It, in this situation, it would be more about... Establishing dominance. So it's an over. anthropology thing so, rather than an evolution. Yeah, thing. it wouldn't. I think when it comes to sort of those real subtleties of survival, some of it is about maybe warding off predators or something like that. But this would more be what would make you the alpha male amongst the other males in your group right. and Get therefore you access to. Yeah, therefore enable you to be the most likely to pass on your your genetic material. I see. Um, so then it would be the sort of thing like if. If you're a slightly better fighter than the other guy... You're the alpha. Then then you've got the better chance of your genes being passed forward. I see. So there, there is some idea that the person who's who's the better at punching might might potentially be I more see. likely to pass I didn't see it like that. I thought it was about evolving and, like, survival. Well, it is in terms of... It is. Or, I yeah, see what yeah, you're yeah. saying. I haven't... This is where my brain goes, yeah. bye. <laughs> <laughs> Night. <laughs> I, it gets to a point and then all the windows close and the doors <laughs> shut and the lights go off. 
Um, is there a time of day when that happens? Is no, it can happen anytime. anytime. I do think it's interesting. They show a picture of this so-called boxer's fracture and they show a, a shattered pinky bone, the pinky metacarpal, which I think when you're p- punching correctly, you're supposed to, well, that's why it happened, I guess. You're supposed to keep all the weight, like your for, your index finger and middle finger is where all the stuff is supposed to be. That's not supposed the to be punched. Yeah, you're supposed to line that up with like the the length of your, this is according to David Angelo, former podcast guest and Taekwondo black belt. Uh, he said, yeah, first of all, you never have your thumb inside your fist. That's, yeah, that, well, that's something I definitely right, knew. Okay. Like and if then, you're making a fist to punch someone, you don't put your thumb inside. Okay, that just, yeah, yeah, you no. just break your thumb. And then uh, you want to have like these two knuckles just aligned, two. aligned straight with the bones in your in your arm. So you have well, a straight of a... sort of makes sense because you can't have all of them in a straight line because of the, na- the shape of the hand. So you'd want the sort of widest ones and you want it to be as much in a straight line as possible so it's in pure yeah. compression... Because any no, angle, sideways, yeah. Because yeah, I guess any angle that you hit it with will then put the bones in tension and bending, and that's where right. they break. Boom. But, but if I mean, how end on, long has it been since fighting? I mean, like fighting as a a supremacy thing is a little bit out of date. Every Saturday is night, it? no. <laughs> but it, like now, it's other things. Is it even though? I mean, well, like, yeah, but it yes, depends but, on what demographic right, we're referring right. to. But at the the celebration of the the. Kingpin being the one that can punch the shit out of everyone else yeah. is finite. I mean, it's we don't. It, that's, that's true, but then that's a very recent change. Yes, well, I was just wondering how long. What hundred like, years? Two hundred years? Well, even even if it in was evolutionary like, terms, yeah, nothing, even if it was yeah, two thousand years, that's still, still well it's within nothing. Yeah. So we will evolve in the end to have no hands because now our brains are... <laughs> just two keyboard we'll just fingers. just two keyboard fingers, yeah. Uh, just an emoji-sending digit. Well, I think we're probably not that far away from not needing hands at all to type characters on the screen. Like, I can send that yeah. shit with eyes, with just a, yeah. a, a, anything, a tool. Talking. I can send an aubergine. Well, here's another... Very this, quickly. Here's a sort of... <laughs> Give us, a, give us five thousand years. We'll have no, we have no hands. We just have a single masturbation like appendage. That's all that's left. <laughs> just a hoop. Yeah. Just a, a, a narrow. Where does that leave me? Women will have one too. It's shaped differently, but women will have one also. It'll just be centrally located. I'll just be stuck with a hoop coming out of your <laughs> a hoop and a hook. <laughs> Just one of each, one on each arm. Just, just so there's options. Evolution has really failed me. It's really let me down. <laughs> I can really see this. I can really see just like idiocracy style. Waving my hoop at the moon. <laughs> Damn you, jeans. Damn you, evolution. <laughs> so well, here's a human interest story, although it's an, an old human interest story and also uh, tallies into back in the day. Plague. That there plague that they're always singing those songs about. Mm-hmm. It's been traced back to the Bronze Age. It's been a scourge on humanity for far longer than previously thought, uh, shows ancient DNA. Samples taken from the teeth of seven bodies contained traces of the bacterial infection in the Bronze Age. Uh, they showed it had at the time been unable to cause the bubonic form of plague or spread through fleas, abilities it evolved later. Uh, the researchers at the University of Copenhagen said plague may have shaped early human p- populations. Uh, human history tells of three plague pandemics, uh, the plague of Justinian began in uh, AD 541 and killed more than 25 million people. The Black Death started in China in 1334 and claimed the lives of up to half of Europeans. And the modern plague in China emerged in the 1860s and led to 10 million deaths. Uh, but there's also been suggestions of earlier plagues, 
such as the plague of Athens in 430 BC. But now scientists have hurtled millennia back in time by studying 101 ancient skeletons. The teeth of seven of them from across Western Europe and Central Asia contained evidence of Yersinia pestis infection, which is the killer bacterium that causes plague, and the oldest was 5,783 years old. The three part is what gets me. Yeah, that's very that's specific. Pretty, it's a lot of um, significant figures for that. I don't know if they can... That, yeah, that... So well, what's the information? Like, so when did so they they think the plague's older than they originally thought? The plague is a lot older than they originally thought. Uh, the analysis of those samples published in this journal Cell show the bacterium was still lacking some of the killer traits that led it to cause death on a global scale. In its early days, it could cause only septicemia or pneumonic plague, which is nearly always deadly and would have been passed on by coughing. Uh, by analysing the bacterium's genetic code through history, researchers estimate it took until a thousand BC for the plague to evolve into its more familiar form. Uh, one mutation acquiring the YMT gene allowed the bacterium to survive inside the hostile environment of a flea's gut. It was one of the most significant mutations in the disease's history, allowing it to spread rapidly. Uh, developing a separate gene called PLA allowed the infection to penetrate different tissues and cause bubonic plague. What is bubonic? What is the difference between a bubonic plague? Don't know. Uh, I'm going to look that up in a second. It's super fascinating, said lead researcher Professor Eski Wereslev. Uh, we show that plague was widespread 2,000 years earlier than normally thought. With time, these studies will help us to understand how diseases are formed, how they originate and develop. Uh, and Professor Wereslev believes the plague could have had huge impact on early human populations. Previous studies show that rather than growing gradually, populations in Europe may have declined by up to 60% at some points in their history, with plague a potential culprit. Damn. It was also a time of huge migration in the region. You see these very abrupt population replacements. People moved into new northern Europe from Central Asia, replacing the existing populations. Kind of very abrupt migrations that fit in very well with plague paying, playing a major role. So just like, plague's here, I'm, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Or plagues wiped out this area. That's going to bring us property prices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. Uh, plague remains endemic in some countries. In 2013, there were 783 cases reported worldwide, including 126 deaths. While what? most cases are in Africa, even the US continues to have cases of plague. I did not know that. What? Can you call in sick and say you've got plague? <laughs> uh, like, what's the... 783 worldwide last year. And only, wait, only 126 caused death, so it's not... So how do you get treatment? I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand that these are all the same... Like, why these are grouped together? I thought they were all different diseases. Or they're just saying the concept of a plague of any disease? Because what makes a disease a plague and not just a disease? Uh, I, think plague is a I think plague is specific... In this context, plague is a specific type of disease. It's not. But just they're saying it could be sense. septicemic or pneumonic or. Bubonic. But I think it's a particular class of bacterium. Um, a bu bubonic means of a pertaining to buboes, and bu buboes is an inflammatory swelling of a lymphatic gland, especially in the groin or armpit. So these are like skin inflammations that. Yeah. You don't get those on embarrassing bodies, do you? That program. <laughs> what. There's a program in England called Embarrassing Bodies, which is... <laughs> that sounds horrible. Like, How do you explain it's like, it? It's like, goes to a doctor and oh, I've got a wonky tit. And he goes, that's normal. Yeah. And they have to be things like wonky tits or like they have to be strange <laughs> things. <laughs> With like, if you were watching it's like, it, oh, my labia pressed, reaches my knees. Can you, you press, And then you get the camera to sort of have a look at it. 
if you press info on your on your cable guide as you're watching it, it'll say this episode wonky tits. Yeah, like, yeah, you can yeah. find all this. But it's like they get two doctors that are very um, the the TV presented doctors. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, and then they set up a van in a kind of town like Burnley, and then everybody comes <laughs> along with their and everyone shows their faces, their massive calves. Everyone shows their faces on camera, and so oh, people are I'm really like unashamed, like the people people, that, and it's on at tea time when you're eating food and. <laughs> People that shouldn't... It's like yeah, in the like olden times. Right yeah. In olden times, they'd have been in, in a circus. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, someone will go on at like 5pm. Is it like 6pm or something? It's when people... Maybe it's on a bit later. Work. Yeah. It's a kind of early evening and thing. And they'll be like going up to a TV doctor and just going, can you have a look at my ass? I've yeah. got a weird ass. Yeah. And it's... And they and they're quite happy because they're on telly. So it's unfortunate that how they got there, but either way, they're on telly. Okay, so they're just showing I'm you. Their... Sh- I'm going to the show's site here, and like right away, it's a penis gallery, breast gallery. There you so go. it's all yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, if you've got athlete's foot, you're not going to get the same airtime as if you've got a wonky tip. So wait, on on TV, they'll show these body parts, yeah, because it's not sexual. It's just yeah, it's not sexual. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Actually, this breast gallery, these are all these are all great. Is that? <laughs> I'm fine they're with not, all these. They're not wonky. I like them all. Yeah. Yeah, they're all fine. I don't know why that's being. Yeah, that's weird because they're not. They're not problematic. No. But you can get some really problematic, dysfunctional, anatomical problems. Right, right, right. But that's a primetime show. How many? I mean, they've been doing it for years. Wow. That's what we like in the UK. You guys are you guys are way more uh, okay with nudity in general. I feel like you guys I, are way more open. I mean, not not sort of no, you, not continental Europe levels. No, Scandos, are, they walk down the street with nothing. Yeah, yeah, like Scandinavia or Germany, you could have that show without even having a medical remit. It wouldn't be called Embarrassing Bodies. <laughs> it, it would just be called called Tits. <laughs> or just bodies. What, what's your hunch about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's what okay. You, I am being, I'm going on bodies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the embarrassing bit is the English bit. Like the implication that you should be slightly ashamed. Yeah. And yet go on television. We have to want a bizarre... We have to add shame to the mix. Yeah, there If has it was to be German, it would it. just be like, all right, uh, I'm there to hear my penis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> The penis gallery is a little more disturbing, I gotta admit, but uh, I shouldn't have clicked on this. All right, I'm leaving this site. Uh, but you wouldn't bodies. go on embarrassing bodies with the plate because it's not embarrassing; it's fatal. It's it, <laughs> it's on another level. Although that uh, that black hand leads off the what? article. Wait, where is it? That's oh a, my god! This is like perfect for Halloween. This is yeah, horrifying. Also, this picture. If Matt, he went on by embarrassing bodies, I'd Matt just it. skimmed right past this. This this picture that just says plague doctors were familiar sight in Europe. <laughs> has a dude in a bird mask. Uh, yeah, uh, Jesse was talking about that recently on uh, on the excellent Jesse versus Cancer. Uh, about bird masks with the. He plague? was talking about he had. Uh, I do listen, by the way. This doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, but. he he had like a sort of hallucinate a little hallucination from the drugs that he's on uh and one of them was of a plague doctor and he described it and i hadn't seen it and then i went and googled it so i'd actually looked at this, a picture very much like this recently so the plague doctors who often weren't real doctors because the real doctors just got the hell out of the village right so it was just people who were like all right i guess i'm gonna do this and look after these sick people and they wore i'm impressed that they sort of knew to cover themselves up as much as they did because this is long why before. with a bird mask uh, so this, they they had like leather head to toe. They they pretty much covered their entire skin, which they knew to do, even though it was, it was pre um, knowledge of the germ theory of disease. Mm-hmm. But the, they had this sort of beak, and in that they would have herbs and other scented things. Um, okay, and that would be because basically there's the smell of death everywhere. 
and they thought it, I don't know whether it was just to make things smell better or whether they also thought that it was somehow somehow stopping the illness from getting through the nice smelling stuff would stop the illness from getting to you oh but the look of the bird wasn't at all like symbolic or anything I don't believe so but I think they might have then gone like alright well it kind of looks like a bird so let's go all out Let's do a Patch Adams kind of thing and uh, have some fun with these guys. Because <laughs> everyone loves being visited by a man-sized bird. It's an early zip suit. Yeah. Wait, what's a zip suit? You know, like a mascot. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So you knew about the bird masks. I've never... Yeah, it's something, I, don't, I think it was, it was Jesse who told me about it initially. That's weird. It's really strange, yeah. So if you've got the plague... Uh, what what's the advice? Is there any? Is, what's actionable here? Do you have any advice? <laughs> if you get the plague, well, I think nowadays you go to the doctor to the and doctor. you can definitely okay. get treated from the plague. Or if there's a reality show, and the doctor doesn't you. have to wear a bird suit, they don't have to. <laughs> Some of them just do it for old times. I might choose. Wait a minute, I don't have a Halloween costume yet. Oh, that's this... a great Halloween costume. And then if people go, "What are you?" You're like, "I'm a plague doctor." I'm a plague doctor. Yeah, you're like, you, you "Someone's know. uneducated." Yeah. <laughs> Google it. That's Play amazing. Doctor masks. Let's see if they have these at Hot Topic. He also has like a long stick, which I believe was basically to keep people away, like a long thin pole. Okay. Oh god, Coming so he wasn't through. that kind. No, he's, no one was that kind. Hitting back in the day, people but. with a stick. Well, now that I'm looking these up, these kind of have a resemblance to some like Jim Henson movies. Is it Dark Crystal or Labyrinth or uh, one of those? Oh yeah. So some movies that have definitely used. Oh, oh, like uh, Beetlejuice. This looks Beetlejuicey, Tim Burtony. Oh my God! Yeah, HalloweenCostumes.com does have Plague Doctor kit. Oh, look at that! He's got a lantern. It's kind of terrifying. If someone showed up with that at a party, I'd oh, be pretty terrified. Really upset. Do you guys have costumes yet planned yet? I don't even have plans. I don't have yet. plans for Halloween. I'm kind of. It's weird that I'm here for Halloween and not at home. Why is that? Well, just or because just, I didn't expect to be here, so uh, I'm here working. But I didn't normally. I'm at home for it, and it's all about, you know, trick-or-treating and the kids and stuff. It is, yeah. It's more fun. I kind of wish I could see my nephews for it. It's uh, Yeah, I feel a bit sad that I'm not at home for it. It is definitely the kind of thing that's much more about the children. kids. Yeah, absolutely, for children. And I, I, the first year I moved into the house I'm in now, I, it was the first time I'd been in, like, a house house for a while, I think. Is that true? Uh, anyway, uh, but I thought it was a neighborhood that would be... It seemed like a well-to-do neighborhood. I'm like, this is going to be a fun house to be in on Halloween and, and give candy away to kids. Yeah. And I stocked up and not a single person came But do you, was it because there's a code? Because around where we are, if you don't put a pumpkin out, they don't knock. And the oh. first year we were there, we didn't know that. No one told us. So we got all the sweets in and everything. And then no one came. And then someone said, yeah, but you've got to put a pumpkin. You've got to have yeah. some bit of regalia outside the house that is a code that they can come. I think, well, actually, the, the real reason no one came, I think, is our entire neighborhood is Orthodox Jews except for us. So if we put some lamb's blood on the door, I think, is that how it works, Matt? Yeah. Then they need, would have come. You need to just put a, like, a little bit of wine out for Elijah. Okay. And everyone else follows. But yeah, actually, I think it is the fact that uh, I don't think Orthodox Jews practice, <laughs> celebrate Halloween. Yeah, I can see numerous reasons why they they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So do people just go trick or treating here? Like, it, they like I, people might knock here, or they won't because it's an apartment. They, they just probably go, won't in an apartment because they wouldn't no. have a way to get in unless someone who lives in the apartment has kids. A ghost, maybe. Yeah, they might because this is kids. supposed to be a haunted building. So <laughs> we should look that up and see what the actual. Not the actual because ghosts don't No, exist, don't because you're you going to freak me no. out and I'm going to be here exist. on my own they don't at exist. Halloween like some Blair Witch Project maniac screaming. Is this a combination hotel and apartment situation or is it all no, apartments? No, it's just apartments. Okay. Let's see. Hollywood Tower ghosts. 
I'm just going to read it to myself and not tell you about it. But wait, is it called the Hollywood Tower Hotel in any way? No, it's, it's not, definitely that not World that. Hotel is not involved. Okay, then maybe this isn't haunted. Maybe it's a different... Uh, I mean, none, I nothing's haunted, haunted because there is no haunting, but um, maybe no. this isn't the But one, I don't right? think... Um, I, somebody said to me the reason why it probably came about as a theory is because for America, it's an old building. But I mean, by our standards, it's not, a whole, it's not an old... It's, it's not, like it's 1929. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like <laughs> by most American buildings, not yeah, old. like many buildings that I've, you've probably lived in in England that were just like... My oh, house is older than this yeah. building, yeah. And it's just yeah. a bit annoying sometimes. It's a 30 semi. Yeah. It's just that there's no kind of strangeness. Well, that normally means it. it's just a bit drafty. Yeah. Semi has lots of. Does sem, do you have semis here that aren't just double entendre for. Semis? Mm. What, I'm trying to work out what is the name for. Is it. Would it be a condo? What would you call. What would you call a place of residence that is sort of a house divided into two houses down the middle? Townhouse. That's a townhouse. You yeah. get terraces like, that are all connected, like not top and bottom. Detached so like, to side to side is a townhouse. That's, a, that's what townhouse. There we are. Is. Is what a townhouse? Those... Sometimes you'll have like ten of them in a row, but they're usually sharing walls. You, right. you have like the front and back is yours, but like sides are connected all in one row. Okay, of, so like a row in, house, a townhouse. In Britain, the there's uh, there's detached house, which is like a standalone. Then there's semi-detached, which there's quite a lot of, which is there's basically lots. in two. So oh, that's a duplex then. I'm sorry. Oh, duplex. Okay, yeah. there we go. There's it, they're all over the place. They're semi-detached and then terraces. Okay, but yes. How did we get onto that? I don't know. I uh, forgot. Halloween uh, masks. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Do you have another story for us, Matt? I know you got to go uh, soon. Well, yeah. Um, here's here's one that our, our friend Justin sent in, uh, and this is more about the machiney side of things. Uh, a computer that is better at writing clickbait, nice than you, which itself is quite a clickbaity article, quite a clickbaity headline. This machine writes better clickbait than you. How it works will shock you as a subtitle was the very good work there popularscience.com mm-hmm. uh good for doing a clickbaity intentionally subheading when researchers experiment with machine learning it's often to create helpful tools for humans computers by design complement our natural flaws they don't get tired they're all stressed out and they especially don't exaggerate uh, typically, they're all about the hard facts and numbers, but Norwegian developer Lars Aidness took the opposite approach, creating a learning machine designed to trick humans by preying their curiosity and gullibility, much as some human writers do these days. So he built a clickbait generator. Uh, clickbait, a term referring to articles with sensationalist headlines that fail to deliver on their premises, runs rampant on the internet today as a growing number of media outlets yeah, it looks greatly exaggerated to inflate relatively insignificant events to recoveries. Yeah, we know what clickbait is. Thanks, writer. Uh, he built a neural network that reads somewhere in the ballpark of two million of these headlines, or read even, sorry. So this neural network read something like two million of these headlines from the likes of mass online media outlets, including BuzzFeed, Gawker, Jezebel, Huffington Post, and Upworthy. It said which unworthy. Which is written unworthy. <laughs> unworthy. Which seems like a... Seems like they're making a value judgment on that. Uh, Have you been reading that in unworthy, (laughs) as I call it? Uh, Because it's not worthy of my attention. That's why I call it. Let me get it. Yeah. You got. Let me let me explain it to you. you. (laughs) Because it's actually called upworthy, but what I do in as a pun, I play on that name. I I call it unworthy. Oh, because it's not very worthy. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I also call it the Daily Fail. <laughs> Daily Mail is the real name of the you're, newspaper. You're a card. I think <laughs> I would have to say you're a card. Um, neural networks are clusters of mathematical formulas 
that decode relationships between inputs. So if you make the neural network read 2 million clickbait headlines, this process is called training. It will break down which words relate to others. By understanding the relationships between words, it is able to predict what could happen next with a reasonable amount of certainty. After it's trained, when the network is asked to make a sentence, it finds and outputs a word, then loops back and does the whole thinking process again, incorporating that first word as context. This architecture is called a recurrent neural network as it recurs, and machine learning researchers have found that it is great for tasks that need to happen in order or with an element of time. Um, Eidness's neural network didn't understand much about the world after the first training session. Uh, it would generate headlines like, Real Walk, join their back for a plane to French Sarah York, or Economic Lessons to Actress to X Takes a Nap. Uh, they don't make much sense. However, after a few more passes at the information, the network said, John, we- John McCain warned Supreme Court to stand up for birth control reform. Mm. That's incredible. Yep. Uh, he pulls a f- uh, there's a few other examples out of the data. Um, Romney Camp. I think you are a bad president. Uh, that's Romney Camp, colon, mm. quotes. I think you're a bad president. It's suspiciously good. It wouldn't surprise me if this was a real headline that some website had published. Uh, Idenis writes in a blog detailing the system but it's not in the data set, not even close. Apparently, in the 17 times Romney camp appears, it was never correlated with the presidency. And the one time the phrase bad president was mentioned, it was by Marco Rubio. From this information, Eidness writes that the network has some form of semantic understanding and can understand political relationships. Oh, shit. To put the network to further use. Or maybe it was a lucky guess. I don't know, because mm-hmm. I don't know how, much, how many complete bullshit ones were still being thrown out and whether they're cherry-picking data. Um, to put the network to further use, he created Clickatron.com, which updates with a new artificially generated story every 20 minutes. The site automatically searches Wikimedia Commons for a relevant picture and generates some body text. Do you want to hear some? To separate the wheat from the chaff, it has a voting mechanism, much like Reddit. It gives us an infinite source of useless journalism available at no cost. Can I read you some? Yeah, if I remember rightly from economics class, class, this should drive the market value of useless journalism down to zero, forcing other producers of useless journalism to produce something else. So what have we got? All right, the ones I like so far after quickly skimming. um, Wait, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, uh, Why this woman and her mother may have won the, quote, worst of 30. Um, Queen Elizabeth II's, quote, dad of gay. Uh, new president is quote hours away from royal pregnancy. <laughs> uh, White House dinner recipe and modern family. How the world's most extreme baby moms lost weight. That's pretty good. <laughs> baby doesn't get away with the dress. The biggest thing Congress did to stop the women of government. <laughs> <laughs> They're all sort of vaguely plausible. Mm-hmm. How to buy a two-pot heart holiday. <laughs> uh, a tour. <laughs> A tour of the future hot a tour of the future of hot dogs in the United States. Like that's definitely a thing someone could could do. Uh what to do when someone can buy a car. <laughs> when someone can buy a car. These are pretty good. Wait, do they have articles? Wait, did did it actually um did this thing generate the text that these articles have like is there a picture next to it yeah there's a picture and there's a sentence or two by each one this is clickotron.com yeah i don't think it generated anything more than 
the initial headline. You're saying a person generated this? Okay, so this one says, what to do when someone can buy a car? It's a picture of a tractor. Then underneath it says, to take action, same goes for the British people. Two men in Los Angeles were shot and killed by police Monday after the nation was pretty charged in a scandal that ended the investigation. It's time to break the law, is the article. I mean, and what's the article in? <laughs> this whole thing is generated by the computer. We're saying this is a fake. Oh, I see. This clickotron, this is all stuff that this neural network generated random words to sound like real headlines. Right. So all these are just old cops tell Pope they're too old to know he's driving deal. So it's all gobbledygook. It's but all- I mean, some of it kind of semantically makes some sense. Like it's learned enough to know what, how to group certain kinds of words together. And to an extent, if it's if a couple of them are realistic enough and catching enough to make someone want to click on it, then and then you can have an advert on that page, so it generates some income. Then it sort of just can exist as a passive income generator. That's people sort of click bizarre. on it. I know. Then people kind of click on it, and then they go like, "Ah, oh, it's bullshit." but they're already there. Like those stories, every so often we'll have a story that comes our way that is from, you know those websites that are like The Onion, but not funny in any way. Mm. And they just go like, oh, that's just a lie. You've just right. published a lie, okay. but I've clicked on that lie now. And there's a little bit of writing and it, it bills itself as a satire site, but it's just like, no, that's just an untrue thing that yeah. has made people want to go to your site. Like you're saying a celebrity died. Like that's not a joke. That's just an incorrect headline. Yeah, like, that's just made people click on it. And Or the latest one that made the rounds was after they uh, released the full trailer of the new Star Wars. There was, so there's like the, the quote unquote, there's supposedly a big racist backlash, which there isn't. There's like three people who were racist on Twitter saying boycott this movie because it's, it's got black people. So now the articles are all about how, like, about that, and then everyone's patting themselves in the back about how we're not doing, yeah. whatever. There was so the one about Yelp suing South Park. Which no, no, but I true. haven't finished. So there was an article about a guy, who, a white supremacist, who committed suicide over seeing that there was a black character in Star Wars. And everyone, people, smart people I know posted this, like, I hope some more people like this follow suit. I'm like, you fucking idiot. This is the site's like called channel33.com or something yeah. just made up. Yeah, the internet's garbage. So it's just worrying how much... Of media's total bullshit. This general, like, I don't understand. No, this, I, my brain's gone again. The windows sorry, are closing. No, Clickotron.com is not doing this. It's imitating. Clickotron is a scientific experiment. Yes. Okay. It's just saying, isn't that. it cool that no, our computer can that do? No, people are going on it. That people are getting just no, tripping not, into it. No, they're not. No, we were talking things, about like that's a thing that that this could be. This thing could do. This technology could. Do. I see. I but see. there are tons of other things that have real staffs of people writing fake articles. Did you read that article about Doug Stanhope that he duped a journalist into because he got so sick of generic questions, so he cut and paste. He got sent a bo- bunch of generic questions, so he cut and paste oh, really someone else's crazy answers, and it went to print. It was from like yeah, he took and it was like a Guard- musician's. Answers. It was in the Guardian as well. I mean, like awesome. it wasn't in some sort of random little website. He has also I can't remember which publication it was, but he, just again because he gets bored all the time in these interviews and just spills bullshit. There's one magazine that he told told them that me and him got into a fist fight because of something that happened between me and his girlfriend. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And it went to print. Yeah, that's in that's published. That's brilliant. I mean, that's the only way to make those <laughs> yeah. interviews tolerable. I'll see if I can find it. That's I don't know. great. It's like that, um, have you seen... Did you get people come up to you and ask if it was true? I, I can't... I can't remember. Yeah, someone mentioned it. <laughs> it definitely went... went. <laughs> Have you guys seen Hype, that movie about the grunge explosion in the 90s no. in the Northwest? 
uh, one of the best things is someone who worked at Sub Pop, which was like one of the main indie record labels of the day in Seattle. They got a call from the New York Times because everyone's like, oh, what's happening in Seattle? What are these grunge kids doing? So someone called the offices of this record label and asked uh, if someone could tell them about what the fashions and trends are in the grunge movement. And some just receptionist there was like, yeah, I can answer your questions and just made up everything. Oh, brilliant. And it went to press in New York Times. And of course, this is free internet, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like 91. And so like, uh, what the kids in Seattle, when they want to say something's cool, they'll say it's, and just like gibberish. They'll wear a jester hat with bells on their shoes. (laughs) From one receptionist who's like fucking with this reporter. Like, um, yeah, and then they do this. But that uh, makes all fashion seem feasibly bollocky. Yeah, yeah, it is. is. You could just make up any old shit. I wonder what that was, uh, if you can find the actual article. Fake New York Times uh, grunge. Do you have one more story, Matt, or do you think we do uh, have time? We could do another story. We got, do we have time to squeeze in one more story? Or what, yeah. I don't know who's, whose timelines were. Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I have the, some of the grunge things if you want to know what the... Uh, I like that you have to you read the story out, and I understand about 3% of it, and then you translate it into layman well, terms for test. me. To, it's good, because I sort of blink at you while you read it, and I think, I don't really understand what's going on. And then it gets filtered through you know it's good to know because if you don't understand it there's a good chance other people listening to the show don't understand it well let's bloody hope so let's hope i'm not alone in my ignorance (laughs) oh my god you guys these are great some of the best ones uh the new york times printed that swinging on the flippity flop meant hanging out and this woman made all this up she made it all up yeah bound and hagged staying home on friday or saturday night wax slacks or old old ripped jeans um, it's unfeasible though it All is. slang is bollocks It is <laughs> Someone made up all slang at Har- some point Harsh realm is a bummer A cob noveler is a loser <laughs> A dish is a desirable guy She's really creative She's got loads of these a And blo- she's improvising Yeah A lame stain is an uncool person uh, A bloated big bag of bloatation is a drunk And a tom-tom club is an uncool outsider Which is a kind of a dig at talking heads I think But yeah, I like it I think great. she sounds great Yeah Matt, do you have I one? No, I was I was still looking up to see if I could find the the Stanhope. Oh, the reception's name was Megan Jasper. I want to know what came of Megan. Did what? she use those creative skills in in her? Ju- in yeah, her, yeah. I would hope she moved up beyond receptionist. Yeah, I hope so. Megan, if you're listening, come on the show and tell us what happened. Any luck, Matt? Uh, I, th- I think I found the story, but uh, if you want to find an actual science story in the meantime while I'm scrolling, scrolling through to find if I, I am actually in the right place. Well, now I've gone down the rabbit hole and uh, I found Megan Jasper on Twitter. Oh, here we go. Oh, okay. Hang on, it's right, it's right here. Uh, it's halfway down. He does like likes and dislikes of British comedians. All right. Um halfway down let's get to the hate then and then Doug Stanhope says in this interview Matt Kirshen he's a brilliant comedian but we had a personal falling out where my girlfriend and Matt Kirshen um, well enough said it almost came to a well it did come to blows but it almost came to arrests that was the last time I was here in August in the Leicester Square Theater I'm not a fighter and he and his neither but we were drunk and something happened <laughs> and we got bloody and then the cops came I think they let me go just because I'm an American and it was too much paperwork but if you want to pull out the olive branch because I haven't spoken to him since. It's really ugly. Matt, what happened between you and my girlfriend and our physical violence? I forgive you and I hope we can be friends again because you're a brilliant comic. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. And how did you come to find out about it? Uh, did he tell you? I can't remember what showed me, but then there was another interview that he did the same week where he said, 
where he basically said, I just told another paper that me and Matt Kirshen <laughs> had a fight and it nearly went to jail. <laughs> I love that. If imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, like a fake story about a fight in the press yeah, is that's like the ha- absolute highest. Flattering. Yeah, yeah, I'm very happy about that. Nice work, Doug. Uh, quick story. Up to you guys. Um, bees found farming fungus for the first time to feed larvae. There's a lot of Fs in that. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a longer article than I thought. So we uh, just read, uh, that, read the headline and let it be that? Clickbait headline? You do bees the headline are- and let's see if I can work out what it means, because I've got no idea. Well, bees have been discovered farming fungus to provide extra food for their larvae. They farm... Uh, bees always uh, farm flowers, but... Uh, Is this really just an excuse to see how many apps <laughs> For the Brazilian stingless bee, uh, Sapro uh, trigona depilis, fungus may mean the difference between life and death. What's more, if other bees also depend on fungus for survival, the discovery has serious implications for the use of fungicides in agriculture. So Cristiano Menezes of the um, Menezes of the Brazilian Agricultural Research Corporation was just studying the bees in the lab and originally mistook the white uh, manascus fungus growing in their hive for contamination. But when he found it in all 30 hives he looked at, he began to suspect that it was there for a reason, especially since it was growing inside brood cells, the structures that social bees build to house their growing larvae. He and his team discovered that the fungus is a key part of the hive. It permeates the cerumen, a material made of wax and resin that the bees use as building material. After they've deposited regurgitated food for the larvae inside the cells and laid an egg, the fungus starts growing. Once the egg hatches, the larvae feeds on the fungus... And it turns out this food is absolutely crucial. When the team tried to grow the bees in the lab without the fungus, the survival rate of the larvae dropped dramatically from 72% to just 8%. Holy shit. The survival difference might either be due to some nutrients provided by the fungus or due to the fungus protecting the regurgitated food from spoiling. Uh, when bees start leave to start a new colony, they take some of the cerumen with them to build the new hive structures so their fungal farm comes too. It's clear that the fungus profits from dispersal with the bees both to new colonies and within the nest and is offered a protected environment, says Duara Ennen of Wenengeng University in the Netherlands. That's not even close to how it's pronounced. These bees are smarter than us. Menezes calls it proto-farming as the bees don't seem to actively tend to the fungus, but they do plant it, providing stable growing conditions and food, harvest the crop and depend on it. All features the farming seen in other social insects such as ants and termites. One ant species even farms animals for meat, and some fungi are farmers themselves of bacteria. It's an exciting example of the complex connections between insects and microscopic life. Exciting, Cameron Curie, <laughs> right? Yes, of the University of Wisconsin, and it illustrates the important rules for roles for beneficial symbionts in insects. Uh, both of them think there is more farming. There are more farming bees to be found, given the substantial diversity of bees, many of which are poorly t- studied. Is likely that other bees engage in similar associations. I wish that uh, more of these farming bees could find each other. Like if someone could just start like... Uh, uh, Bee farmers only? <laughs> thank you. Yes, that's where I was going. Yeah. This raises concern about the use of fungicides. While not directly harmful to bees, they might be affecting them by killing off their symbiotic fungi. Um, I get a lot of emails about bees. <laughs> bees need a lot of help at the moment, don't they? Oh, Isn't do you mean like not from like just... Fre- you mean like charity emails? Yeah. You don't, you don't get I mean, emails from bees. Yeah, bees email me and say, we need help. I get, I get a lot. They have the extra thumbs, like they're advanced. They're, yeah, they're yeah. evolving, because, you know. Fists. Fists. But they're in, they're in crisis, aren't they, bees? There's, there are some problems with bees, and no one knows exactly why. It's it one of those things, 
yeah, that everybody, it, it seems like a go-to thing uh, if you're like at a party talking about why the world's fucked. Uh, yeah. And like, we're ruining bees. Right, the hero of the bees. It, gets, it finds itself in the bee area quite quickly. And then what's the thing that, uh, that what are the things that die en masse in the ocean that cause people to be concerned or that are like beaching themselves? Isn't there some? Oh, yes. What kind of fish is that? That people are like, why are these, uh, why would the government tell you chemtrails? Like, uh, right. But if you get emails about Save the bees? Yeah, like you have to, you know, you, you can see how fucked the world is based on what comes in your inbox and you're like, what is it? <laughs> or and at least what so a few people have decided is yeah. the important thing. But, and, well, it's, yeah, so it's like, what are the major crises? And I definitely get a high proportion from bees. <laughs> I get way more from bees than any but humanitarian crisis. But the bees are actually crisis. most concerned about, the, uh, about oil for fish. Like the bee, that's what's worrying bees right now. Right, yeah. okay, they're worried about the fish that are kamikazing themselves on the shore. Yeah. I just want to save the whales. Jimmy Wales, the head of Wikipedia, who's always emailing me for donations <laughs> to Wikipedia. Do you know if three, if every of us gave three dollars, are the Wikipedia's fundraising needs can be met in one hour? That's all. I didn't know that. You guys, of you, all you the campaigns all the in the world to protect, like the, the planet, or you know, uh, children, animals, bees, whales, Wikipedia doesn't even come in my top ten of things to I save. I will say. Especially with this new job, I have an even greater respect for Wikipedia than I ever did before. I'm pissed off with them because they've put things on my page that are inaccurate. You can edit that. They made me older than I am. No, you change it and they change it back. Wait, you got you to find... If we have listeners, I'm sure we have nerdy listeners who are I had like, a, I got a nerd. I recruited a nerd to okay. change it. And it still bounced back? And it bounced back. I think it has to do with how, how high up you are on the... Um, on the hierarchy of, of like <laughs> Wikipedia nerds. Oh, I think they're so editors with different amounts of power, maybe. He's a low-grade nerd. Maybe. I don't know. If we have high-grade Wikipedia nerds... So it nerds currently has you as born in 1973. Oh, now Why it's accurate. Why would you say that out loud on a podcast? It's accurate now. now. It okay. used to say 1960-something. And then it went... And then he took it down. And then it said, <laughs> we don't know when Kerry was born, but it was a very long time ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's, fuck it's, you. And now he's found it out, or whoever it is. They found it out. And it's right... Because it's always like, it's never an official headshot because it's always got to be an open... Steve, um, what's his name took that? You know the guy at home that takes pictures all the time? Steve Best? Oh, yeah, yeah. Steve took that. Steve Best comic, yeah. yeah. I've got his book. Yes, comedy snapshot yep. of every single person that ever told a joke on stage <laughs> is in that book. <laughs> through a guy like, blimey, I remember I, that first. Yeah, my dad's in that book. Everyone's in that book. And uh, a bee, a bee yeah, comic yeah. is in that book. Kerry. Uh, Yes. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Google, I suppose. Wikipedia. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. Just Google it and there it all is. I'm uh, not, I don't know, because I don't work here. So is your listenership mostly oh, no, it's, it's international. Okay. Well, in the UK, they can find me out and about on the circuit. And are you twitting? At- I do tweet, but I mean, I wouldn't bother following me. I'm awful. <laughs> I'm such a bad tweeter. I I get halfway through a tweet and think, oh, f- forget it. <laughs> it's just so half-assed. My it's tweet. a burden. It's well, Kerry A. Godleyman. In which case, go and see Kerry do stand-up instead because she's freaking... I'm better at stand-up than I am at tweeting. Much, much better. <laughs> if that's... I, I haven't... I'm going to have that quote. I haven't appraised your Twitter... You've got, you've got uh, orders of magnitude more... Not orders. You, you've got way more followers than matter I do. Matter. But that's because of Derek. So I'd say 90% of them are Ricky Gervais fans. Okay. That found me either way, either way. Decent numbers there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, find Kerry, go and see, go and, just go and see Kerry do stand-up. Uh, you can follow us at Probably Science. You can also uh, go to probablyscience.com. That's where we post all of our stories. That's where the, I'm hoping by the time this goes out, we'll have the 
donate button fixed now. Ah, that's aggressive. I think it takes 30 days for an LLC okay, to get its... Okay, so we're, we're uh, going to miss out on a month of donations. Thank you, anyone who's tried to donate yes. and has failed. Uh, we forgot to thank Courtney Butters Kerr last uh, week, who managed to get a donation in just under the wire before PayPal closed <laughs> us off. Uh, um, we need so to save th- those up and write down the amount you were going what to... We're gonna s- do- <laughs> and by the way, we haven't said this for a while either, but we'd like to thank all of our donors on the show. If you have donated at any point historically and we have missed out thanking you... Don't feel like you're being in any way a dick by emailing us in and going, oh, I've donated and you didn't say anything because we, I don't know, the email got lost or we just read over your name or what, for whatever reason we screwed up. Mm. We want to thank everyone, so remind us. Uh, you can shop on Amazon using our link. Uh, why not set your bookmark on your computer to be the Amazon link that we have and we get a kickback. It costs you no extra. And the other thing you can do to help us out is spread the word. Tell other people. Let people know uh, about our show. Uh, tweet, Facebook and do all those kind of things. Listen to Jesse versus Cancer, uh, which is Jesse's show and is amazing. Um, and uh, follow Kerry, not on social media, apparently. No, go on, follow me. Follow Let's her do on it. social media. Follow her in life, <laughs> down the street. But anytime you see her doing a show anywhere near you, go. She's fantastic. And we will be back uh, back next week. Yep, thanks, Kerry. Thank you. Thank you.